like that. We'll be in Galatians 6, verses 11 to 18 this morning. Galatians 6, 11 to 18. on the clicker. Galatians 6. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, you alone are worthy. And even as we send out our brother in Christ, Dennis Monroe, as we pray for him as we consider what you are doing around the world, what a privilege it is to be a part of that. What an honor it is to serve such a great God. To know that as we send out Dennis Monroe, even this, this summer, as we will send out many others into the mission fields, whether for a short time or a long time, to know that our God is in control, that the gospel will go forth in power, that souls will be saved. Our hope is not in ourselves, Father. It's in you and you alone. And even as we turn our attention this morning to Galatians 6, to this passage before us, may we not see our own works, what we can do, but what Christ has done. May we glory in the cross. And may you be lifted up. Give me boldness to proclaim your truth this morning with authority and with clarity and with a humble heart. May you be honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians 6, 11 to 18. One of the houses that we lived in when I was growing up kind of had a, a long bush or shrub that ran the entire length of the side yard. And I remember as a kid, I loved this bush because there was a certain time in the year when it would bloom. And it would bloom, it would bring bees and butterflies and all kinds of cool bugs. And I was, a, I was a little guy, and I just, I remember, I thought this was the coolest thing. I would take my butterfly net out there, and I would catch all kinds of bugs and let them go. Sometimes, because I wasn't very gentle, I would kill them on accident. But I remember one of the things that I loved most was catching butterflies. I thought it was so unique, so special. See, there's something about butterflies. They're so majestic. They're beautiful. They're fragile. I remember when I got a little older and I came to the realization that that butterfly used to be a caterpillar. And I remember that just kind of blew my mind. How can something so beautiful come from something so ugly? What a change. What a transformation. This butterfly was a caterpillar. A caterpillar that is, that is ugly, sometimes hairy, furry. A caterpillar that is, is stuck to the ground. It, it doesn't have the freedom to go wherever it wants. It's very limited in its freedom. Then this caterpillar crawls up, gets in this cocoon, and a, couple, a while later, after this process goes out, it comes out as a butterfly. This butterfly is completely different. It's brand new. 
These wings that it has gives it a beauty that it didn't have before. It gives it freedom that it didn't have before. No longer is this this caterpillar just glued to the ground. No longer is it subject to the the fears and the worries of, of just being stuck. It has freedom to go where it wants, to do what it wants. But imagine if a butterfly, having gone through this transformation, being brand new, chose to continue living like a caterpillar. What if it chose to not use its wings, but to stay on the ground? To subject itself to the same fears of predators, the same struggles. If we come to Galatians, what we've seen is that these Galatian Christians, who Paul has been writing these letters to, they are like that butterfly that chooses, even though it has wings, to stay grounded. They're holding on to an old way. But they don't have to, for God has made them new. And that's what we do when we cling to the law, when we cling to to works rather than to grace. Brothers and sisters, you have been made brand new in Christ. As we come to this passage this morning, that's what we'll see. In these verses, Paul kind of summarizes the entire book of Galatians. He brings it to a close. And verse 15 is kind of the, the, the central verse in all of this as, as he builds out to this, builds down to this, and then builds from this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. That is what it all comes down to. You are a new creation, not because of your works, but because of what Christ has done. And that's what we'll see as we work our way through this passage this morning. First thing we see is Paul's care. Verses 11 to 13, he starts with this kind of transition note. In verse 11, it says, See with what large letters I've written to you with my own hand. See. Take note. Notice. What's interesting is that as Paul would have written this letter, the way it would have worked is he'd have sent this to these churches in Galatia and and a leader of the church would have stood up with the letter in his hand and he would have read it. Not everyone else would have necessarily had the letter. And so it's interesting that Paul would put this in here. He wants to make known, look, I am writing this. Because the one reading it, he can see the change in the handwriting. The congregation necessarily can't see that. Paul wants to make it clear. This last section, these last few paragraphs, this is my writing. You see, Paul would often dictate the letter to a scribe. But in conclusion, he would often add his own personal touch like he does here. He would take his pen in hand and he would write it himself. In fact, we see that in 1 Corinthians 16.21, Colossians 4.18, and 2 Thessalonians 3.17. In each one of those verses, Paul makes mention to the fact that I am writing this with my own hand. I am taking the time to finish this myself. I want you to know So we see this transition. This transition to Paul's closing remarks. He's bringing it to a close. He takes the time to write it himself. In verses 12 through 13, Paul focuses on the fact 
that these, these Judaizers who have come in, these Judaizers who are trying to add works to the gospel of, of Christ, to what Christ has done, they don't care about you. I care about you. I love you. Look what he says in verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. That would be these Judaizers. These people who have come in and they've led this church astray. They desire to make a good showing in the flesh. That is their desire. That's their heart. That's what, behi- that's what is behind what they are doing. They are more concerned about looking good than about your soul. That's their desire. Their desire is to make a good showing in the flesh. Therefore, they compel you to be circumcised. That word compel is a strong word. Necessitate. They tell you that it is necessary for you to be circumcised. They are adding something. To the, they're not just suggesting this would be a good idea. You have to do this. If you want to please God, you have to do this. They are adding to the gospel simply so that they can look good. Paul is right to condemn them. He's right to call them out for this. But before you and I jump on that bandwagon, I think we have to search our own hearts. Because this sentence in verse 12, how many of us could this sentence describe? As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. How many of us that is our desire? We're more concerned about what we look like than bringing glory to God. We're more concerned about making a good showing in the flesh. How many of us does that describe? How easy is it to fall into patterns of law? We must check our own hearts. We must be honest with ourselves. We must check our own motives because the difference between law and gospel this truth that Paul's been hounding on through this entire gospel of Galatians, this epistle of Galatians, the difference between law, between works, and gospel, or the grace of God, is not necessarily what you do, but why you do it. It's not about necessarily what you do, but why you do it. We see right here, because they desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they compel you to be circumcised. Paul has already made the point in Galatians that the problem is not with circumcision itself. Circumcision is not the problem. This this work of being circumcised, that's not the problem. There's nothing wrong with that itself. The problem is why you do it. Do you do it because you think it gains you favor with God? Is that why you're doing it? Do you do it and then you think, because I am circumcised, I I am better than him who is not. I am closer to God. I have more insight. not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done for you. What motivates you? What drives you? 
His Judaizers were, dry, were driven by looking good. That's all they cared about. They don't care about you Galatians. They care about themselves. And so they compel you. They necessitate, ne- necessitate that you must be circumcised. This outward action. Why? So, so if you're circumcised, how does that make them look good? Because, look at this, only that they may not suffer persecution for the Christ, cross of Christ. Kind of have an ulterior motive, too. They, they want to look good. But they want to avoid persecution. You see, the ruling religion in that area at that time of Judaism did not tolerate Christianity. These Judaizers are seeking to, to both avoid persecution by, by, by touching on the law, by, by making sure that, that you look good. Look, you, 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 you Jews. Look, look, he's still circumcised. But at the same time, they want to gain Christ. And it doesn't work that way. Their goal is to look good and to avoid persecution for the cross of Christ. You see, that is what brings the persecution, the cross of Christ. It is a stumbling block to those who are clinging to the law. And so these, these Judaizers are ashamed of this cross. They're ashamed of the cross of Christ. They want to look good. They want the social status that comes with circumcision. And they're more concerned with that than with the truth. Verse 13, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. They fall short themselves to the very standard that they want to hold you. Circumcision doesn't make you a law keeper. Circumcision makes you circumcised. But they're viewing it as this this special outward sign that you do and then you're good. You don't really have to worry about the rest of the law. Just make sure you're circumcised. It's an inconsistent view. They desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. That is their concern, boasting in you. They want to look good. They want to boast about it. Look, look how many I have following me. Look what I've done. I've gotten all these churches in Galatians, in Galatia. I've gotten all of them to get circumcised, to follow me. More concerned about their reputations than the cross of Christ. In fact, the cross of Christ is embarrassing to them. They are ashamed of it. This is the same point that Paul's already made in Galatians chapter 4 when he goes and he's writing to them and he says, I cared for you. Do you remember how I, how I labored with you? How I loved you? The excitement that, that you and I shared? Do you remember how I cared for you? And then he goes into, they don't care for you. He's returning to that here. They don't care for you. 
They are leading you astray for their own purposes. They don't love you. He's pleading with them one more time. Open your eyes. Come to verses 14 to 15, we then see Paul's boast. They boast in your flesh. They boast in you. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Christ. May it not be, may it never be that I should boast, that I should glory in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The very thing that they are ashamed of is the thing that Paul glories in. They avoid the cross. They're ashamed of the cross. They look instead to this outward sign of circumcision. I am clinging to the cross because that alone is my hope. I don't boast in anything except the cross of Christ. Many people have made the note we see cross and it's been so desensitized by now that that we don't think anything of it, whereas for them it was an awful, embarrassing, almost shameful thing. Crucifixion was considered the shameful end to a life that had gone astray. We don't glory in a cross. Many have, have compared it to like an electric chair glorying in a shameful end. But Paul boasts in this cross. He glories in this cross because it is not shameful to him because it is because of that cross that he has life. It's because of that cross that you are new. Look what he says. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world has been crucified to me. It's been made meaningless. And I to the world. Because Paul glories in the cross He knows the world will persecute him. But because Paul glories in the cross, Paul could care less what the world thinks of him. How could the world that crucified my Christ have any attraction to me? They're ashamed of this cross because they love this world. I glory in the cross. It's as if the world has been crucified to me. God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. That includes my circumcision. That includes my works that I have done. Paul even says at one point, may it be as as dung to me, all those things, I, I count them as nothing 
It's the cross of Christ that I cling to. Look what he says. He goes on in verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. This outward sign, this work, it, it, does, it doesn't mean anything. But a new creation. See, that's what it comes down to. That is why the cross is so precious to Paul because it is through the cross that he has been made new. And because I am new, I will boast in the cross that has made me new. It's not about an outward difference. It's not about looking good. It's about the cross of Christ. It's about what God has done in me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Earlier, Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what matters. What matters is the cross, what Christ has done. Because of the cross. In a world at a time when when men were considered better than women, Paul says no. Before God in Christ, we have the same. We are new creations. In a world of slavery, Paul says whether you're free or whether you're a slave, Christ has made you new by faith. See, it's not about who you are. This is what Paul's impounding this entire Epistle. It's not about who you are. You don't start out any closer or any better to Christ. You start out a sinner. You start out condemned. And you stay that way. And there's nothing that you can do. There's no outward work. There's no social status to which you can get to improve your position. It's by the grace of God alone. It is He in Christ Jesus that makes me a new creation by faith alone. I am brand new. That's what we've been seeing as we've been working our way through Galatians. In Galatians 5, we see that this, this what God has given us in Christ Earlier in the book, we saw he's given us an inheritance in Christ. Chapter 5, he's given us freedom in Christ. He's given us a new motivation, something to live for. He's given us his spirit. That's what Paul is trying to help these Galatian Christians to see. It's the grace of God that saves you, and it's the grace of God that sanctifies you. The entire process of the Christian life is by the grace of God alone. Having made this point, 
in verses 16 through the end of the chapter, then through the end of the book, we see Paul's desire. And as many as walk according to this rule. This rule is referring back to verse 15. Those who are in Christ, who are a new creation, who are walking in the Spirit, who are embracing the cross and glorying in the cross, as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, upon the Israel of God. Peace and mercy. Peace with God. Relationship with God. Mercy from God. Forgiveness of sins. May these be upon you. Be upon those who are in Christ and upon the Israel of God. That's kind of a strange phrase, the Israel of God. In fact, this is the only place in the New Testament where it appears. Some people actually take this passage and they'll say, look, the church has replaced Israel. It's not at all with this passage is teaching. In fact, that wouldn't even make sense at this point in Galatians after Paul's argument through the entire book to kind of throw that in here at the end. Rather, upon the Israel of God would be believing Jews who are in the church. Jews who by birth who are sons of Abraham and also by faith are sons of Abraham. See, Paul's been making this point the entire book of Galatians. He's been, he's been pounding on this. And as he comes to the end, he just wants to be sure, I'm not against Jews. I'm not against them. There are many who believe in Christ who are not trusting in works, but in Christ alone. So peace be upon them, be upon all those who live according to this rule, including and upon the Israel of God, Jews who also do this, who are also trusting in Christ alone for salvation and not looking to their works. So walk according to this rule. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. What comes with that? Peace with God. Mercy from God. You're trusting in Christ. That's yours. It doesn't come by, by your works, by what you do. It comes in Christ by faith. Secondly, Paul's desire, verse 17, is that they would honor him. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is not a desire that they would honor him in, in a sort of, you know, I deserve honor, honor me. Rather, it's more of a, don't question my desire. Don't question my devotion. Follow my example. Paul, in this, in this short epistle, Six chapters, spent the first two chapters defending his apostleship because he's been attacked by them. He's been lied about. Don't question my devotion. Don't, don't trouble me. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I bear in my body the marks of glorying in the cross. The very thing that these Judaizers who say they care about you, that they're trying to avoid, that persecution they're trying to avoid, look, I've done it. I've been there. I glory in the cross. I embrace it. I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ in my body. And I'm not ashamed of it. But don't bother me. Don't trouble me. Don't question my devotion. I can show you the scars. Secondly, verse 8, or finally, verse 18, live in the grace of God. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits. Amen. It's appropriate that Paul would end the book of Galatians with grace. He started Galatians 1.3. He starts with this desire, grace to you. And he ends here in verses 6.18. May the grace the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul's focus in Galatians from the beginning to the end is on the grace of God alone. Because Paul knows that without the grace of God, he is hopeless. He is lost. Paul knows if he followed every rule that these Judaizers want him to follow perfectly, if he was circumcised, he'd still be a sinner. He'd still be condemned. He is new by the grace of God alone. It's the grace of God that has called him, that has saved him, that has equipped him. It's the grace of God that calls us, saves us, and equips us. It's all of God, not of works, lest I should boast. We're saved by grace. And we're sanctified by grace. And if there was any word to sum up the book of Galatians, it would be this word, grace. That's it. Grace. The glorious grace of God that has reached to me and to you. I don't deserve it. I can't deserve it. And there is nothing that I can do to deserve it. It's all by grace. Therefore, glory in the cross. Walk in the Spirit, and may the grace of God be with you. As we close, we're going to close by singing the song, I will glory in my Redeemer. I will glory.